This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, we are at the tail end of February, essentially the dog days of winter. And you told me that you planted a garden? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I I started a garden. Okay. And, um, I'm trying really hard now that, um, you know, my contracts are over. I have a new lease on life. I got to kind of figure out what I want to be when I grow up. I'm working on the next Monroe on my own. I have no idea if I'll ever sell it or whatever, but I got to finish that book for myself. And, the and last for years, all the people on Patreon who are waiting. Well, of course, that's a given. When I say do it for myself, that's really what I'm talking about. Okay, all I, right. <laughs> um, uh, for the last 10 years, I have spent just day after day after day at my desk. That's all I've done. It's just worked, taking care of my kids, worked, tried to run a ha- household, tried not to go crazy. Just that's it. I have realized that I, that's not sustainable. Like that's part of the reason why I burned out so bad. And, you know, other people might be able to just be on that hamster wheel and do fine, but I can't. And, you know, I cannot, I, I'm me. And, and so I'm like trying to find things that bring me joy that actually are outside. I'm not inside the house all the time. And as I've talked about, I, I've, I'm in the middle of big move. I, I'm now I'm I'm in uh, transit basically for the next close to the end of the year. I, I, I don't have a permanent home anymore. I've, I've sold my house. I'm I'm changing my life. I, I'm really serious about this of finding a way to reconnect with the love of writing and storytelling and to find to, to chart my own path and just let go. And whatever happens, happens. And be okay with it. But part of that means letting go of expenses as well, not having that high overhead so that I can live on very little. My kids, my youngest is almost out of high school. It's almost to the point where, you know, I can do this. And so in that whole transitionary stage, I have a place where I can can grow things. And um, I there was, I, 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 it started with like, I've had a black thumb my entire life. And so, but it started with like, Hey, I started with flower bulbs a couple of years ago and I didn't kill them and I fell in love with them. And then it was like, Hey, then I got a blackberry bush and I didn't kill that either. And then I had citrus trees and then I, I cleaned up a, a garden area and that got me thinking, well, what if I did a garden myself this year? And so I was looking around and there's all kinds of old material that I could use, old watering troughs that I could fill for raised garden beds or whatever. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out how to build a drip watering system, which I haven't figured it out yet. I've got pieces, but I haven't figured it out yet. Um, and so part of the problem with using uh, troughs or doing raised beds, for example, is that it takes a lot of cubic feet of dirt to fill them. 
and the plants don't need that much. And it's very expensive if you're buying your dirt. And the goal here is not to spend, you know, $500 for one tomato. <laughs> so <laughs> that is, so that is I, not uh, in line with keeping your overhead low. No, it's not. And so I was, I, I happened upon this, um, like gardening forum type thing. And this is old guy who lived out on a, some acreage and he was talking about a very affordable way to build raised garden beds. And I, I wanted to do raised garden beds because I know myself. And if I have to spend a lot of time weeding or trying to keep critters out of the garden, then I'm just going to give up, you know, like I got to, I got to not set up the path for failure, you know, like kind of take a few of the roadblocks out away from myself. So the, the technique, so I, I was set on doing raised garden beds and, and I decided to repurpose these old rusted water troughs because they, they're great, except for the sheer volume of them. And so the technique that he uses is he, he just finds whatever organic matter is around, uh, grass clippings, leaves, twigs, sticks, logs, and he fills up like the, the bottom three quarters of the, the bed with that and then puts the good dirt on top of that. And so I was like, well, there is no lack of organic matter here. <laughs> so I spent days, like, not spent days, but like the, the outside hours of those days, um, raking and, and shoveling and hauling. And it takes a lot, like, I don't know, six, seven, eight wheelbarrows full of just random organic matter to fill the bottom three quarters of a six foot oval trough. Like it's a lot, a lot, a lot. So I did all that. I got the garden all set up. It's ready. And then I had to feel like, well, how do you even get seedlings to sprout? And so I went and I did Google, you know, this is what I do. I research. <laughs> and so uh, somebody who knew that I was headed this direction, gifted me a bunch of seeds for Christmas. So I already had that. And so I, I made my own little greenhouses out of uh, milk, well, water jugs, not milk, you know what a gallon milk jug looks like, but they were water. And, um, and right now I've got so many seedlings, I don't even know what to do with them. And then I'm like, all right, well, I've got to at least get them in because they're going to be inside for a while yet. I got to get them like into little containers. And I had this sorry, guys, you're going to just have to listen to me ramble to this stuff. I know it's a very long uh, chit chat, but you know, Take me at my worst if you want me at my best. <laughs> so um, I have an arrow garden, which is like a, a little self-contained uh, sort of hydroponic setup where it's, you know, got the UV light and whatever. And I always put my most fragile or things that I want the most go under there, right? And so I really wasn't sure about the tomato plants, so I put them in there. But the arrow garden works with these little um, sort of foamy dirt pods and you're only supposed to grow one tomato plant for X number of feet. And these things were ending up with five or six seeds in them. Cause you just, you know, I didn't know if they would all sprout. And I just, I couldn't bear the thought of having to just toss them away. So I, I got them out and I like opened up, ripped apart the foam or the dirt, whatever it is very, very easily. And I'm like pulling out these threads of, you know, little seedling roots and I'm trying to, to save them so I could plant them individually. And so my five, little pods turned into like 25 plants because I was able to save, save them and move them around. So things like that, right? So when I say I planted a garden, I got it ready. Nothing's outside yet, but that's what I, where I've been spending my time that I'm not writing, just trying to like, uh, 
not be at my desk, to, to refill that creative well and allow my, my brain time to, to daydream and to think about things that are not, oh, my God, I suck at this. So anyway, that's my gardening story. Are you going to post some pictures somewhere? I need to. I, yeah. I have. I, I'm really, really bad at taking pictures of stuff. But I realized, hey, if I don't have to be in the picture and I can just take pictures of my things, maybe I'll do this more often. But I just don't know where to post them yet. I, I would naturally post them on Patreon, but I don't want to bother people with lots of who aren't interested in plants with lots of plant stuff in their their inboxes. And there's no place to just put them. And I would put them in the Facebook group. But then people, I don't know. I haven't figured out what to do yet. But I do need to. to I do want to share that stuff. <laughs> You guys remember at the end of last week's show, Taylor said, I have no idea what we're going to talk about next week. And I said, I do. One of the great things about planning with Taylor is that we don't really have to do a lot of planning because she didn't say, what's the show going to be about? It's just like she knew that we had a topic for the show, so we're good to go. So let me give you, all of you, including Taylor, some background on why I wanted to go with this particular topic. I had been reading a book uh, an indie book. I won't say that it was particularly well-written, but I was enjoying the characters and having some fun with it. And I had been listening to a podcast that I've been a fan of for years called The Kindle Chronicles. And a, at a, the beginning of The Kindle, Kindle Chronicles, every episode they give a tech tip. And one, one of the tech tips uh, two weeks ago was that you could listen on using um, an, an Echo device – I say that so that I don't use the keyword that will we'll get her talking. You can use an Amazon <laughs> Echo device to read the book to you. And if you're a longtime Kindle reader and you've ever read on a Kindle Fire, you know that there's like you can get it to read and it sounds really clunky and awful. Um, so I, I've done that before. You can do it on your phone as well. But with the Echo device... It's better. I don't know how they make it better, but it actually it's like 75% as good as a narrated audiobook. So wow. I started listening. Just kind of I was engaged in the book and I wanted to continue the story as I was driving. And as I was driving, I started hearing things that I didn't see when I was reading. And this sort of relates back to our topic of of last week maybe to to a small to a certain extent the way we engage with story. And so when I read, I sometimes will switch things around in my mind to make it match the way I want it to be. Uh, huh. And it, as, a, as an example, I, the topic that I want to talk about today is thought, action, speech, which we hear Taylor talk about a lot, but we need to go back through again. And the idea of thought, action, speech, we'll let Taylor go through it. But when you don't structure your paragraphs using thought, action, speech, you come up with this jumbled mess that when I was reading it was okay because in my mind I was twisting it around. But when I hear it, it's like, what? And it's because I'm not able to – the way I read it, I sort of like see the whole paragraph – and then I can kind of structure it the way I want and, and just continue on with the story. But when the story is being read to you by a machine, it's, it's a completely different experience. And there were two tenets of the hack the craft thing, one being uh, thought, action, speech, and the other being an old bugaboo of mine, said comma, that were used 
throughout this, and I only listened to about 10 minutes, and it was over and over and over again with both of these things, and I got to the end of it, and it's like, wow, now I understand why this is so important. And I, when I'm reading it, I don't see it, but when I'm listening to it, it makes such a difference that it sounds so clunky. So let's get started, and let's talk about thought, action, speech, and let's talk about why that's what it is and why it's so important, because it's something that we have talked about in the past but not everybody's heard every episode, and we mention it a lot, thought, action, speech, and we just assume that everyone knows what we're talking about. So let's just kind of have a little recap. Okay. So I have a question first, though. Okay. Last week, we were talking about how we think, mm-hmm. right, and how some people have actual dialogue, full sentences in their heads. When you read with your eyes, do you hear words or do you absorb the information in chunks? I read in chunks, but I think I hear words. I'm pretty sure I hear words. Okay. I don't actually know the answer to this question for myself because I didn't think of it until right now when we when you ask when we start talking about this but i wonder if the way we process information when we read is also similar to or different one from another in the same way that how we think is different and it's possible that for some people while reading with their eyes the thought action speech is not going to be an issue but when hearing it with your ears, reading it with your ears, it's a completely different experience. And that's when it triggers that awareness of it. I don't know. That's just a thought to put on pause or hold as we continue this discussion. So thought, action, speech is a pattern that comes from the desire to create as fluid and interruptive-free reading experience as possible. All, all the Hack the Craft tips are based on that. And ultimately, when you boil it down, the Hack the Craft tips, the goal being cleaner, stronger, better writing without years of trial and error of trying to figure out how to do it, they really come from the concept of cause an effect. They come from this idea that no two things happen at the same time in your brain. Like there, the, the splice of time between two events might be so narrow as to be negligible or unnoticeable, but it's still not two things happening at the same time in order for your brain to make a mental movie of it. And therefore, everything that goes on to the page has to happen in the correct order that it would happen if there were significant or noticeable gaps of time between those two events. That's why I get really um, emphatic about the use of as she did this as the rain was coming down and that I tell as one of the hacks that that word as tells you when you're using it to join two or more 
sequential actions or movements or things that are happening, that you're putting them in the wrong order. If something is happening as something else is happening, it's in the wrong order because it should be first one and then the other for the reading brain to have that fluid experience. The thought action speech rule is that, that whole concept dealing with when you have dialogue interspersed with action or dialogue interspersed with inner dialogue, thought, or all three together. There's a specific order that those elements have to go in order for the reading brain to not have to pause, reverse them, and then continue on. When the reading brain has to pause, reverse them, and then continue on, it creates uh, an interruption in that reading flow, which we call grit. It creates grit, creates a very rough reading experience. Too much of that brain starts to feel like it's getting rubbed raw by sandpaper. Now, when you read it with your eyes, like what we were just discussing, if your brain takes in chunks of information at a time and it's not actually sounding out every single word in your head, then it's a lot easier to skip over that for some people. For me, it's not. I don't know why. It's harder for me than other people, but that's why it's glaring to me when it happens, because it's out of order. The sequence is wrong. And I know that there are others like me, and you get too much of those wrong sequences, and the work starts to feel very amateurish. It's not clean. And it, it can be difficult for readers to understand why or to pinpoint what about it is they don't like or that's bothering them. But when you boil it down, boil down to it, that's what it is. It's not clean writing. It's bad craft because the elements are all out of order. You're making the reader do the work because you didn't do it yourself. So the order for thought, action, speech is exactly that. Thought comes first. Why? Because in our everyday lives, we think before we act. Doesn't always seem like that with some people. Like <laughs> they do stuff without thinking. But the thinking part is actually emotion. We might not always have words, as per last week's conversation, we might not always have words and logically go, I'm going to punch that guy in the nose. But we have a feeling that whether it's rage or anger or frustration or helplessness, whatever it is, and that emotion is what drives us to do something. So when we say thought, in, in the written word, Emotion is expressed as thought, right? We, we understand what's going on in the characters' heads or their, their hearts because of the way that we dig into their inner lives, their inner world. So whether it's, you know, he was angry or he wanted to punch the guy, one's a thought, one's a feeling, vice versa, it's still considered under that banner of thought. So we have the emotional response first, then we have the action. That's the order it needs to go. That's how it happens in real life. Emotional response, physical response. That's how it has to happen on the pitch. So it's not a case of, you know, he punched the guy in the nose as his heart rate started to rise and he started to get angry. It's he got angry and punched the guy in the nose, right? That's how it has to happen on the page too. And then there's the concept of speech, dialogue, right? Well, the order would go thought or emotional response first, then 
speech because speech is also an action, but it is a separate, it's separate from physical movement when you show it on the page. So it's thought first, thought, then action, then speech. If you don't have any action, then it's thought, emotional response, then speech in that order. That is the pattern. When you do it that way, you stop, you, you no longer have the she said, comma, continued on. So the she said, comma thing is she said while backing away. Or she said, comma, as she was backing away. That while or that as are telling you that there's more than one movement going on at the same time. Therefore, they're out of order. It doesn't mean that you can never use as or never use while to join multiple things together. It's that you have to be careful that it's not portraying simultaneous action. So, go ahead. Yeah, and, and that was what I kept trying to decipher, that I wasn't trying to decipher when I was reading, but as I was listening, I was continually trying to decipher what's actually happening here, and how are these two things happening at once? And all of a sudden, all of those lessons that you'd given me, if you remember last week, I, was, I gave this bad analogy about riding a bike and, you know, eventually you just get it. And this was one of those getting it kind of moments for me. I, I had an example of exactly why you you need to bring these things into your writing because it it's it can be so confusing for a reader who who doesn't read the way I do or or to a listener because I I don't know if it's possible to listen in such a way that you're able to put phrases in front of other phrases to make it all fit, and which is what I was trying to do. I'd get to the end of it, and I, I just wanted to hit the back button so that I could hear it again. It's like, what What are they talking about? What just happened? And these two things, you can't do these two things at once. And Not I, while you're active listening. Like when you're active listening, you're, it, it's harder to, for your brain to make that pause and that switch on the fly the same way that it would be if you were just pulling in that information on the page mentally. It's different. It's a different brain process, listening and seeing. And I have always been curious about I, – I, I've thought there have just been readers that are just really picky about things. And it's not really pickiness now. I'm beginning to realize it's just that certain – and, and maybe it's 50-50. Maybe half the people read a certain way where they're, they're reformulating the paragraph so that it makes sense. And it's not what Taylor calls grit is not actually grit or it's not gritty enough to take them out of the story. They can just move on where if you're listening to it, it is so gritty. It's just there's this you can hear the screech in your mind as you're trying to stop it and figure out what's going on. I can't add anything to that. Yes. <laughs> So that's it. I really I, I wanted the purpose of this show to just sort of be a recap for one of the core tenets of of the hack the craft philosophy and thought action speech is one of them. There there are others. Uh, we've talked in the past about um, a card that I have in front of me that has lots of little words on it like as and while and said common things like that that I search for in my own writing when I'm going into the second draft to try and get rid of them because I, I'm not able to get rid of them as I'm writing first drafts. But they're all those kinds of things that 
as we're learning here, add grit to the writing, even though they don't add grit to the reading for me, it's if now I can now I can really see it. it it's if if it's 50-50, and let's just say it is for the sake of argument, for 50% of the people who read differently than I do, that's going to stop them in their tracks and they have to figure out what's going on. And and that's obviously a bad thing. Whereas if you don't do this, you're going to Everybody is, is going to enjoy the story. The people who, however you read, it's going to work for you as a reader. Yes. I mean, that doesn't guarantee they're going to like the story. <laughs> no, it does not guarantee that at, <laughs> but at all. Least, but that's a different at thing. At least it won't, <laughs> yes, at least it won't interrupt the reading experience. And um, I think, and this is, is going to have to be a topic for another time if we ever even get around to discussing it, but I, I think that in the same way, that our brains process, our brains think differently in terms of whether we use words or image abstract thoughts, the way that we read differently. I think it's also that some people have a much easier trigger or richer uh, visual imagination. There are people, for example, who have, I think it's called aphasia, where they have zero mental image. They, They do not ever have pictures in their head no images whatsoever. Um, and it, it's not that uncommon. And and I think, so that would be one end of, of the spectrum. And then there will be on the very opposite end of the spectrum, people whose visual uh, and emotional imagination is very easily triggered, where it doesn't take much for them to fully dive into the characters and get swallowed in the story, even with poorly structured writing that doesn't provide all of the tools that most people might find necessary, some people are still able to take that and and work amazingly well with it. And where I think that would come into play as a writer is if you are one of those whose imagination and emotional and sensory sensors are all very easily triggered, you need to be careful. You need to be mindful that there's a very high probability you are not putting into your work the details and the information that needs to be there for everybody who's in the bell curve on that spectrum. That's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it. So thank you guys uh, so much for listening as we recapped the thought action speech idea. And uh, we look forward to being back in your ear again next Tuesday. And you might have to put up with more gardening stuff. And I am sorry, but you're living it with me. 